Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Breaking the Ceiling where we interview entrepreneurs and get to know the reasons why they're successful and what drives them. And today is a very special episode for me because I'm interviewing a very close friend of mine who I've known for a very long time. He's a serial entrepreneur just like me. He wears multiple hats and whatever he touches turns into gold unlike me. I have multiple failures. I may have success if I have failures, but this guy is pure gold. It's none other than the founder of the wine company, Kimono, Bento Cafe, Antares, and Your China, and many more brands that I'm not even aware of. Please welcome Ashish Kapoor. Hey, Ashish, welcome to Breaking the Ceiling. Ashwin, thank you for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure. I've been waiting to interview for a long time. I know your our schedules in line, but I'm so happy that you're here. So, Ashish, let me jump right into it. I want everyone to know a little bit about you before your first food venture, your China. What? Tell me about Ashish's life before that. So, Ashwin, I don't know if you know, but I'm an engineer by degree, um, electronics and telecom at McGill in Canada. After that, I worked with GE Capital in finance uh, and Six Sigma. Uh, worked for a little bit with GE in private equity. So essentially, the only job I ever had was with GE. Uh, so the restaurant business and being an entrepreneur has genuinely been uh, baptism by fire. Uh, so so that happened way back in 2003. But before I turned an entrepreneur, I uh, was with GE Capital and um, overseas. Worked in the US, Canada, a little with them in India, and then decided to move full time into being an entrepreneur. Lovely. And your first entrepreneurial step was in food. Absolutely. Well, it's yeah, absolutely. So I think for the last eighteen years, all I've done is food, food, food. Lovely. So what was the moment? What was the aha moment? What was the moment you decided, hey, I'm going to leave this corporate job, and of course, G is one of the best companies in the world, and I'm going to leave this, and I'm going to get into food. What What were you thinking? What made you well, change? I, I joke with people when I say that the food at home was terrible, hence I needed restaurants. Uh, to survive, but the reality is that back in 2003, um, I was in in Canada in Montreal, and you know, India, it was it was such an opportunity, compelling opportunity to create uh, large scalable businesses. And if you looked at food, for example, um, Chinese, Indian, North Indian, and South Indian were the top three cuisines, but there were no chains. Uh, and and you know there was an obvious opportunity to try and create a national chain in one of these areas, and I think that's really the calling I had. I'd also read Paulo Coelho's Alchemist and just finished reading about how the universe conspires. So I said, you know, let me give my hand, try my hand at this whole uh, universal conspiracy theory, uh, and I gave it a shot. And uh, guess what? It was a struggle, a huge struggle, um, but it did work out. That is it's phenomenal. I want to know a little more about the names, like Yo China, Whiskey Samba. Like, what what is the inspiration for those? How did those come up? You know, I'll first tell you about Whiskey Samba and then jump into Yo China. Whiskey Samba. The idea was everyone drinks whiskey. Um, people's parents, grandparents. You know, whiskey is also a little fuddy-duddy with that respect. It doesn't have the sexiness that wine does, uh, or the youth quotient that wine does. So, how do we? The idea was how do we make whiskey young and sexy? You know, how do we make eighteen the new twelve? How do we get people to try a whiskey library with three hundred whiskies? So, how do we make whiskey a journey, adventure, um, exciting? And and that's where the name Samba came in. We said 
I worked with a brilliant guy called Freddie Birdie, uh, and Freddie and I, you know, um, keep working on restaurant concepts. And one of the names that Freddie suggested was Whiskey Samba because we wanted to bring in this entire concept of youth, energy, adventure, the unknown, um, and and hence the name Whiskey Samba. With Yo China, it was a very different thing. You know, we said Chinese food we are very familiar with, but um, how do we shout out energy? Because 65% of India is under 30, which is what the brand was catering to. It was a fast food Chinese place. Um, so bright yellow and red, uh, you know, uh, trade logos. And we said, let it shout out like yo, you know, so let it shout out. And let's, let's have an Americanized sense of Chinese uh, so that it's cool. Um, and, you know, it's like a Pizza Hut alternative to Chinese food. So that's why the name Your China. So it's yeah, it's fun to come up with the the names and the logic behind each of. Lovely. So while all your brands are you know running well and running successfully now, very sure in your early days you would have seen a lot of struggles. So what kind of struggles did you face when you just started out? Well, funnily, the struggles will continue. <laughs> you just become a little more adept at handling the struggles. But um, uh, I think you know. I've gone through, I mean, if I show you snapshots, so the, for an early entrepreneur, the first issue is raising capital. You know, you, you raise angel capital, then you find the right space. You have to have a proof of concept that, uh, forget works, that hits the ball out of the park. Um, then you have to scale that uh, to size. You have to raise uh, professional money or, you know, private equity or venture capital. Um, and then, like in my case, you have to go through the experience of going bankrupt nearly once. <laughs> so, and then rebuilding, which is the real test. Uh, and so, and, and then rebuilding, making things stable and, you know, then using some of those learnings and saying, I might make new mistakes, but here I'm not going to make those again. So I've been through the gamut of uh, that journey. Um, and, and yeah, it's been, it's been quite a ride. That is... Most entrepreneurs struggle at that part, right? When they see their first signs of failures, when they see their first signs of you know, um, resistance on their path, most of them end up giving up. When they don't realize that the resistance is meant to be there, otherwise every single person would be doing what they're doing and would have been successful at it, right? Very few people are able to navigate those obstacles to go ahead. It could be raising money, finding the right people, finding the right space, you know, making sure your strategy is right, pivoting when you have to, you know, when you need to pivot. Most people, they refuse to pivot, right? And I know you and I know how many pivots you've done. I know how many new things you started, right? And because you realize that opportunities and just because you started something doesn't mean it has to go exactly as per plan, right? Sometimes this flight just throws you a curveball, right? Uh, tell me uh, some of the proud moments you've had as an entrepreneur. I think, you know, uh, I think seeing a restaurant give joy to the diners, you know, mm -hmm. I think that is seeing a, a full, a completely full restaurant and people just every table smiling, laughing, you being able to add um, something to, to, you know, I call restaurants a 60 minute holiday uh, mm -hmm. and that's what really it is. So if, if you can add that holiday to everyone's table, I think that is the pride, you know, proudest moment. Then of course, seeing people or staff that you've been with, you've built the brand with, seeing them over the years grow, you know, and even grow in simple steps from the, their language skills, uh, being more proficient in English or uh, moving from a bike to a car. Um, you know, I think, I think that's what really is a lot of happiness. And then doing things that India hasn't seen before, 
you know so bringing um, best of international thoughts concepts uh, to the country and saying you know why should we just copy the west or why should we be five years behind mm-hmm. any other country why can't we be at the the forefront of being avant-garde in terms of concepts and thoughts mm-hmm. uh, and seeing them really ex- be accepted because you know one of the hardest things for an entrepreneur is there's a big difference between marketing and entrepreneurship because when you are marketing you can test uh, and take consumer feedback but when you're an entrepreneur you know the the your consumer or your guest hasn't seen what you're about to build so what feedback will you take you know if nobody in india has seen malls and they've never seen hence a food court what's the point of asking them whether it'll, it'll work on the third floor or second floor or first floor it's just not going to work you know so i think it's uh, there's a lot of uh, self conviction there's a lot of faith there's also a method to the madness and some science to the art but that said uh, the to your question there's a you know a lot of happiness comes in being able to build uh, a thought out mm-hmm. a vision out into mm-hmm. reality and seeing it operate with pride and profit i think that is most entrepreneurs dream of that right because all of them have this vision of the world that doesn't exist and what i personally believe is if you have the grit right and the right guts to pursue you know pursue that path pursue that vision you you will get there many people drop off but if you really pursue uh, work through turn your uh, as i read a quote one day turn your uh, you know failures from gravestones to stepping stones so i love that quote right i like, don't look at failures as gravestones but look at them as stepping stones So, but tell me about the wine company that has been, you uh, know, a fantastic brand, and you're doing pretty cool things. Tell me a little bit more about that. You know, um, I love the brand. I think it's one of the most romantic brands we have under under the umbrella. But the, with each restaurant, we are trying to solve a different problem. You know, with whiskey, the problem was that everyone knows whiskey. The wine, the problem is no one knows wine, um, and you know, especially intimidating wine lists. I mean, we can't even read French names off labels, and also. giving someone a, a wine list in india is intimidating so what we did was we said you know what let's call it the wine company and you enter the restaurant through a wine shop not a cellar but a shop um so essentially we just broke down the intimidation factor and we had bottles no wine list you want to choose a bottle you go choose a bottle uh, from the rack and it's it's by countries by grapes you can go play with the bottle you can insta the bottle you can photograph it Uh, if it's you know super expensive you can still play with it and put it back or you can have it you know on your table but essentially there's no barrier between you and the wine there's no wine list there's no irritating sommelier yes there are all these people available and especially learned sommeliers once you need help but if you just want to browse around go play with it and you know wine has uh, such an ability because it's suitable for all functions you have champagne and proseccos or sparkling wines for some occasions you have wine for hustlers you have wine uh, for the heartbroken you have wine for every occasion uh, so our our you know uh, story at the wine company was listen let's find you a wine that's right for the occasion uh, and if you don't know anything about wine you know just enjoy it this is not about the palate the mouth feel the tannins uh, or the bouquet aroma or these things just enjoy it uh, and we'll tell you a story or two uh, depending on the mood that you're in uh, hopefully the wine is within your you know your the same wavelength in terms of the karma that you're getting right now and uh, that's it so it was a fun journey and and guests loved it and you know over time it started selling more wine than all hotels in haryana put together so 
there is a market it's just about how to crack it absolutely so i'm i'm very curious which is the wine for hustlers i mean i, I i'm not i i would put myself maybe in that category at some point but i i didn't i don't know there was a wine for our yeah there is a wine for you there is there a wine, wine for you. i'm just going to keep looking till i find it yeah I'm, no i'm going to go and play with a few yeah, wines it's a really one. famous wine it's an italian wine um called chianti and it's chianti classico and if you see on the bottle there's a there's a black rooster very prominent on the bottleneck uh, it's on every bottle of chianti classico and the story is very clear that they uh, back in back in the day in italy you know these two provinces were fighting against each other and they said just like the italians why fight when you know we it's not in our dna so let's resolve this uh, the, the italian way and they said at the croak of the rooster in the morning our horses will race and whichever covers greater ground is the winner and those wine lands or those lands that we are fighting over will belong to the person who covers greater ground uh, well the hustler uh, which was this tuscany region made sure that they didn't feed their black rooster for uh, um a couple of days so hence it croaked 5 minutes earlier so they they had a head start with their uh, horsemen so hence the wine for hustlers is the chianti classico and oh that's fantastic see now that story i would i would love to hear that story when i'm having a glass of this it gives you so much more right i mean obviously you're enjoying the fine glass of wine but you also it, there's so much more to that experience and and you've always been a man of experience right i mean since i've known you you always want to you know make sure your guests are served properly and they're given the right experience even through covid remember our discussions last year like how do we still how can even when those covid how can we still have the people touch the bottle you introduced new products so people could touch the bottle safely right so i i love that uh, entrepreneurial nature the serial entrepreneur nature in you right making sure that the guest has the best experience because that is what today i think is the most lacking thing in many places people care so much about the product that they forget that overall experience matters more if you just want to food you can order it in people go to a restaurant because they want to have that experience and i think that is something that any time i visited any of your places that is something that has always stood out let it be the hostess let it be the environment let it be the music let it be you know any anything every element of it and i think you've mastered and I, according to me that's been a real secret of your success like that eye that you have So I think you know kudos to that. So tell me a little bit more about any upcoming project, anything new uh, that you would like to share. I know at any given point there's always I know you're always trying new things. Anything you can share that you're planning in the coming days? On yeah, I am. You know, both on the restaurant and non-restaurant. I would say COVID gave us all the time to reflect and see what else we want to do. Uh, but in the restaurant uh, field, I I'm looking at uh, uh, one or two concepts in Goa. um and you know i i find the goan market really really interesting because it's truly global you know um it's got people coming in from all parts of india and the world um so you know you have to have a very very strong concept in terms of the palate as well as service because it's very demanding you know people are there um from across the globe they've spent a lot of money they've reached there for them it's relief for them it's exciting so standards of restaurants you know in goa need to be very high um also the natural beauty enables a setting that makes it the outdoors possible and you know post covid i think a big shift in the restaurant business has been that more and more diners wish to have food in open spaces um so goa again lends itself to that so i will be opening two completely different um, concepts uh in goa uh, and that's yeah. in the coming months 
yes, coming months. I'm also, you know, uh, planning to take the whole concept of experience and service which you're talking about to uh, holiday homes and villas. Uh, you know, I think, I think there's a huge opportunity over there. Well, you know, it's just not good enough to give basic housekeeping and food. I think people need to be pampered from the time they reach the airport. Um, and I think, you know, all the learnings about restaurants, if they extrapolate it, it's nothing but experience. And how do you just add those touch points uh, in a person's visit when he's on a holiday? So how do you take the hassle out of hosting? You know, how do you... I love, I love that line, hassle out of hosting. Yeah. You know, how do you give... How do you enable a home or a villa to be a seven-star experience? Uh, yeah. Like, a, you know, like a great hotel rather than, you know, just a, just a villa. So I think with so many, like so many uh, home villas coming up, the Lohonos and all these guys coming up, they're fantastic properties, but you're still stuck with whatever food that person is making at the back end who's obviously not a chef, yeah. most likely helper. Yeah. Or you're always just ordering and not trying to go out. But if you're able to get a five-star experience at, or seven-star experience at the property, I think that's just going to blow up anyone's holiday. Right? I mean, that's going to be fantastic. Exactly. So that's on. And then I'm very passionate about, you know, water as a, as a whole. So... Um, trying to see, you know, there's well, India has such a severe water problem and trying to see how we can get uh, a lot of the, you know, be, just a small thing like ponds, not even rivers and lakes, which are ambitious. But how do we make sure that the communities which have ponds around them uh, have clean water and, and are not staying next to sewage ponds and all, you know. So just for example, like the city of Gurgaon has 220 ponds. Oh, wow. Uh, as big a number as that so you know how do we make sure those ponds are clean how do they get adopted um how do they make sure they they, they have clean water running water uh, around them so all of that plus the whole cpd venture which is protecting people okay. making sure they have gold gold class safety around them Fantastic. i'm waiting to find out more about the water piece so water has been in my dna since birth Yes. Like, in the water treatment space, uh, then obviously in Equinox, uh, the water yeah. piece in the in terms of testing was still confused, but my ties with water are still pretty deep, right? So I would love to hear a little bit more about this uh, water venture. Can you explain more now or is it right now under no, that? No, no, sure, you know, um, essentially, um, the, we want to take away the hassle from government from spending because they, you know, even though there's an intent, there's no money to clean up uh, ponds and each of these ponds are anywhere from one to three acres with you know 10 to 30,000 households uh, living around them in various cities in every part of India um, and we just want to make sure and a lot of them have sewage just going into the pond you know and the pond and we've seen this across the pond is dirty infested it's got plastic it's got you know it's got all sorts of sewage as part of it. And I don't think it's fair to have kids in that locality or to have people living next to uh, poisonous gases, living next to unpleasant smells and just unclean water. Um, so, you know, instead of it, and, and if it's clean water, at the end of the day, we have to give back to the earth that we're taking from. So how do we, you know, recharge the aquifer with cleaner water? How do we make sure those households are living in clean surroundings, have access to clean water, their cricket pitches can be, you know, fed with recycled water. So much can be done with just cleaning up that pond and letting them uh, live around sustainable water rather than dirty water. So um, the whole, you know, the whole idea is to use minimal, uh, 
electricity, you know, use clean technology, use uh, plants, stones, um, and ways to just clean up the water through uh, through different technologies around the world. You know, I'm working closely with Israel on Israeli technologies uh, to do this. But essentially, the idea being 200 ponds, let's clean them up and let's give people around them, uh, uh, you know, a sustainable way of uh, living around clean water. I think that is just absolutely um, superb. So whenever you're launching this, let me know, let Equinox know, you know, you can always count on my support. You can always count on Equinox's support, right? And, and whatever you've done in the past, I love the energy and I love the foresight that you bring in, right? Yeah. Uh, to a situation where you do not see adversity. But in that adversity, there are opportunities. In, the, in that adversity, there's so much good that can be done. I think CPDO is a great example of you know how you can offer a continuous 12-hour protection just with a single spray. Because if somebody misses spraying it 10 times or 12 times a day, people can get affected, so on and yes. so forth, right? Yes. So that was that was really fantastic. So now uh, coming back to a little bit more of your personal side, tell me about a superpower that you have that most people are not aware of. Well, um, that's a great question. I think the answer for me is that you don't know that you're going to say yes. <laughs> so... So, so, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, I, I have the ability or grace to, to have someone agree to, because the demands are reasonable, you know, it's not going to be a unreasonable demand, but, um, yeah, chances are that if I'm asking for, you know, something, it, it, uh, it's just divine grace that chances are you might not know it, but you are going to say yes. I think that's worked on me a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I have to just make sure it's exercised with caution so that it's not. It's a juice for good, but and not evil. Yeah, yeah. That is actually a very good superpower. Right? And I, I have been at the receiving end of it. And I mean, it wasn't, it was actually something it was a reasonable ask and it was a reasonable thing. And it was for the greater good, right? So uh, no harm, no foul. And, but as an entrepreneur, I think that's literally a very, very strong suit. That will help you, and as serial entrepreneur, I'm very sure that comes in handy multiple. Yeah. Well, it's happened because I've I've lived with enough no's, you know. So so I have heard endless no's, and it was uh, I think over time it just manifests. It doesn't happen initially. I'm too shy to that. Uh, tell me about your work life balance. Um, I I think I'm you know, decently good at the work-life balance because um, A, Goa just lends itself to, you know, helping balance life a little bit because no one works in Goa. You can push them as hard as you want. But the teams in Goa aren't going to work that that hard. Um, but that said, I think, uh, you know, between reading, um, I do, you know, some sort of physical activity daily. So yoga, a gym, um, golf, if I'm in Delhi. So, you know, I think, um, and then I think, you know, the ability, especially when you read a lot, right, you, you get uh, so used to just trying to learn new things uh, and getting into new things. So I think it keeps you engaged uh, from a work-life balance. And uh, with the kids, I'm, you know, pretty busy. And uh, I, I love, uh, being able to irritate them in terms of teaching them and being with them or playing with them, um, taking them out, you know, in Goa, I've taken them cliff diving, cliff jumping in the sky, uh, sorry, uh, uh, waterfall jumping, you know, and that was my 10 year old, uh, planning on 
fishing trips and stuff so yeah so i think it's it's blessed where i have my business and that also is not uh, an accident sometime very early in life an entrepreneur had told me that you know do business in places you like traveling to um, don't don't try and grow your business you know opportunities are everywhere but if you do want to have you know fun while you're working try and grow business in places you enjoy traveling to that is just that is i think one of the best things i've heard today and i was actually thinking back to where have i done business outside mumbai and everywhere i've done business outside mumbai has been places that i fell in love with then i set up something there so it started at bangalore uh, then gurgaon and then phoenix arizona and so on so forth. we have multiple businesses but that is so true right because if you enjoy that process if you're going to have business in multiple places you have to travel and if yeah. you don't enjoy going to that place there's a good chance you're not going to go there as much and work will suffer so i think that's literally the learning of my day I'm, so I, i have this thing that i've started it's called the leadership club it's like a group of 30 people in each whatsapp group and we each share our learning of the day so this yeah. is literally going to be my learning of today which is hey do business in places that you love because you know you will keep growing up uh, that being said tell me a little bit more about uh, your kids uh, how are they like how are i mean is is work a big part of their life how how is how no, is that i think work? you know i'll t- i'll tell you i think uh, they are 16 and 10 i have two boys and i think uh, it's it's very important to involve and be involved in in each other's life as a unit in some senses so for example uh, in my water passion i have my elder son who's equally passionate about water in fact it all started with him encouraging us uh, at home and him trying to save water in the building and stuff so i think uh, you know there's a shared passion with him over there the younger one's 10 but you know he's uh, super passionate about all this cliff jumping and going uh, learning golf and other things so he's a little bit of a wacko uh, like the dad that way but uh, i th- i spend a lot of time because of these shared passions Uh, it's it's great because we can do that and then you know the restaurant business also allows me uh, to get them over as you know i've had all their functions in my restaurant from the yo china days <laughs> to now um because i'm you know i'm proud of where i am and uh, each restaurant for me has been a journey as it has been for them so yeah we we thoroughly enjoyed that that is fantastic and that's very inspirational so for me i have a 9 year old son and a 6 year old daughter and uh, my son is a national level chess player and my daughter is a national level troublemaker wow right? and, uh, and and i tried learning chess so that i could actually play with him yeah. and till date i have not been able to you know beat him uh, when he was 4 and a half or turning 5 he started chess and he was going to this uh, class and you know i saw him i mean i i gave dropped him off and but i never played chess for the thick three four months that he went there i didn't actually end up playing chess so one sunday i said hey you know what let's play some chess and i obviously knew some basics of chess i'm like oh he's a little kid i mean he's five years old right and uh, we started playing chess and i'm not even kidding he beat me in eight moves <laughs> eight moves and i was like one said what like did you do anything illegal then then he's like no 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 that's some name of the move like queen's gambit or something and i was like real scholars make i thought he's making it up I actually looked it up and it was like a rookie mistake people make he's like nobody taught you about that i mean like what <laughs> this is like the most rookie thing you've done and like holy crap and like, since that day i've not been able to beat him in chess but imagine the ego hit when a 5 year old beats a 35 year old i can in imagine. a game can which imagine. is absolutely 
but he's so passionate about it, right? And what I've seen is when kids are passionate about something, they will go above and beyond and they lose all sense of time and everything else. But if we encourage that, they can actually do something, you know, world class. I think it's beautiful. Absolutely. I think it's lovely how you fanned that passion and, you know, got him to excel. And no, the fanning the passion, by the way, comes at a tremendous cost. Every Sunday till the pandemic started, it was my every Sunday was at a chess tournament. Every Sunday, because we can call the chess tournaments, like every Sunday we used to go for a chess tournament. So he's playing inside, I'm sitting outside, reading a book or on the phone, letting nothing else to do. Like he wouldn't even come back in between the games, right? So, but nonetheless, right, all that pays off because nationals twice. So I think that that effort kind of paid off. So uh, now let me uh, jump back into a little bit of, of what parents do for their kids, which is mentoring, right? Uh, have you been mentored by anyone? Do you have mentors in your life? Are you mentoring anyone? I would love to, I would love to know. I, you know, I strongly believe in uh, the whole concept of mentorship, uh, but I also don't believe in any one mentor. I think each of our lives has, you know, very significant attributes. So for example, um, I would say I have a spiritual mentor in someone. I have a, a financial acumen mentor in another one. I have a creative mentor. Uh, in a third and some of these could be friends you know um, but I think I've divided my life into these three four buckets and in each of these buckets I have a, a mentor um, who's relevant for that very bucket and um, yeah I, I completely believe that it's a faster way to grow absolutely why make the same mistake twice like why repeat the same mistake somebody else has made right learn from them rather than repeating to yourself and, and what I've learned is if you ask people for help you will be very surprised how how many times you actually get a yes versus a no, right? It's just that many people just don't even ask for help. Just asking for help, like, hey, can you help me with this? Like that sentence, can you help me with this? Has opened so many doors for me. Has I have like eight mentors in my life, all because I literally asked this question, hey, can you help me with this? And they said, yes, we got onto a call and they mentored me on this and they continue to mentor me after that, right? Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your five-year goal like five years from now what do you see yourself doing what do you see yourself doing personally where do you see your brands out of here well um you know i i love what i'm doing currently and i hope in five years uh, it's not just a continuation of where i am which is you know making sure the 1.3 billion indians enjoy the places that i i run enjoy dining at them uh, come more often I run more of those places, um, so that's the restauranting piece, but I want to also take the entire service and experience uh, learning out of it and grow that into other elements like villas, resorts, hotels, um, and be able to, you know, make them 60-minute uh, holidays or even greater. So really take the experience business and grow that. Uh, apart from that, I'm really, really passionate about the whole water. You know, I, I'd love to see it's completely measurable. We are, dis we are stressed in terms of water as a nation. How do we give back to the earth instead of drawing from the earth? How do we reuse from 3% or 4%? How do we take that number to 30-40%? Um, so really, how do we charge the aquifer? How do we reuse water, clean surroundings around us? Um, so yeah, that's really the first five-year plan. That is absolutely phenomenal and very aspirational. Right. And uh, what I loved about it is not just only about work and restaurants, it's also about nature. It's also about, you know, giving back to earth, which is a much larger goal, but that is absolutely aspirational. 
So my last question to you is a lot of new people entering the food business, the restaurant business. What is the one piece of advice that you would want them to have? I think, um, you know, our business is might have a low entry barrier. Uh, so, you know, anyone can enter a restaurant given a space or uh, capital. But I think it's really the soul. So my my request or my learning would be see uh, where and what piece of the restauranting business you're adding a soul. You're doing things a little differently. Uh, and it's done for genuine interest, not for your 40 friends or you know, for the Saturday night that you'll have out because nine out of 10 times, you know, people see the glamour, but not see the difficulties that survive in the business. And it's completely a non-glamorous business for the person who runs it or builds it. Um, so my advice would be do it for the soul, do it because you really enjoy it. Understand that it's backbreaking, uh, thankless in, you know, many ways. And, and, you know, it's not nice when you see guests publicly saying that your the food in your restaurant is terrible or uh, shaming you or you know accept that and and you have to win back irate guests also in fact recently i put up videos uh, because we got so fed up of sometimes dealing with rude guests we started putting up you know restaurant eating etiquettes we said you know let's let's try and teach some of these rude guests on how to how to call us wait stuff um uh, so, but that said, I think do it for the soul, do it for the right reasons, and sh but do it. I think it's a great business. I'll never say, you know, don't enter it. I love this business and uh, good luck. That is just fantastic advice. And if, if people actually follow that, they already are a year or two ahead. Because what a, what a lot of what you've said is what people figure out way, way down after making a lot of mistakes, right? And then they keep pivoting, 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 because they don't realize why they're pivoting. The reason is they never, their soul was never in the business and they didn't realize that, right? So thank you so much for taking out the time and, you know, sharing openly with us and sharing all the things. always engaging with you. As always, it's very engaging. Great questions. Uh, I also end up thinking of the answers after, much after it's over. So, which is a good sign. But uh, yeah. Good luck with all your uh, ventures and uh, look forward to yeah doing this more often. Thanks a lot, Ashish. So, hey everyone, that was Ashish Kapoor, uh, a serial entrepreneur and a world-famous restauranteur who's going to be doing a lot of more things than run, just running restaurants at the moment. And so keep tuning in every week for a new entrepreneur and what makes them successful, what powers them and what drives them. Thanks a lot and see you in the next one.